0: Welcome to Father Finney's The Best A Man Can Get. And today's man is certainly one of those men that is certainly the best you can get. Not just healthily, mentally or physically, just in so many different ways. So, this is a man who you will find in British Columbia. He's an entrepreneur that's varied in sectors such as resources, agriculture, horticulture, high-tech stuff and alternative energies. But the one most of you are probably interested in is the fact that he's worked in cannabis production. So this man today is the man known as Michael Martinez. Hello, sir. Welcome to my British Humble Show.
1: Well, thank you for having me, James. And I guess it's good evening to you and good afternoon for me. Yes, it is. It's uh,
0: into the night now. It's ten past ten at night, so the witches will be out soon. Very soon. That's what I tell my daughter anyway, so she goes to bed. (laughs) Right. So... Here's a question for you because I know you're a man of the outdoor sports and pursuits. So you have some choices here. You can, it's a date night. I've lined up some ladies for you, but your choices are that you can go wild burr back riding, maybe a grizzly or whatever you find out there. You could go uh, sort of catching moose. I don't know what the plural for moose is. I think it's moose. Or you could go catching salmon in a local river. And out of those choices, you have the three types of women available, and they are a Russian lady, an Alaskan lady, or a Canadian lady. So which sport and which lady would you choose?
1: Well, (coughs) um, I think I'd probably go for the Russian lady. And um, uh, if if we're going to be fishing a Russian stream for salmon, I would probably elect uh, that combination. Oh, excellent. All right, then. And any particular reason as to
0: why that would be a good combination?
1: Um, well, I think some of the northern drainages um, in in Russia are fairly untouched, unscathed by human activity, and they're still fairly productive ecosystems. And uh, and I haven't been, and so that would be uh, an interesting adventure.
0: Wow! Now, just to be clear to people, drainages is where you'd find uh, the salmon. A drainage is not named for a Russian woman, is it?
1: No, not, not, not that I'm aware of. Yeah, <laughs> a drainage would be like a, a, a watershed or. Um, uh, uh river system
0: wow okay cool this is all fascinating stuff I- i'd love to go out there because it looks so beautiful my mum has been out there and she's like oh you've got to go you've got to go uh but i don't know where i would start to be honest i probably like the cold bit i do like it when it's cold
1: yeah well and then uh, you know in the uh, the Kola peninsula for instance which is uh you know just north of where you are um it's above the Arctic Circle. And of course, you know, about this time of the year, there's maybe a couple hours of darkness, but through uh, that magical period around the uh, summer solstice, there is no darkness. Uh, the sun kind of does a circle in the sky and doesn't actually dip. And so uh, after supper, you can have a little nap and then head back out onto the river until you, know, wow. you, you kind of lose track of time up there, so. Yeah, uh, that,
0: that's like a reverse of me. I lose track just in my house. But with the fact that the sun's up all the time, that's just uh, a little mad. Yeah. Yeah. Does a lot of that happen up there mentally? Do people just go a bit bonkers because of that?
1: Well, I, th- I think it's probably worse in the wintertime when there isn't any sunshine. You know, you're the, the, the opposite time in December there, where you may have a, a bit of a blur or a smear of, of sunlight for a couple hours of the day. Uh, it's probably a lot more difficult to deal with than um, having to get some blackout curtains so you can get to sleep at some point. What a mad
0: world. What, I've, I know this might seem a bit ignorant of me, but why do people stay there?
1: Um... I you know there there are very few uh full-time settlements uh, north of the arctic circle and I think most of those which are there are probably have some industrial purpose uh mining camp or something along those lines. Mhm. Wow. So there's there's probably less uh choice and more there because of a, a employment opportunity. Yeah. I have seen that I think uh in my culture, the only thing we see is what
0: Discovery Channel sort of broadcasts, be it uh, fishing out in a boat there or just going out into the wilderness with a gun and a couple of dogs for about a month. I don't know. Is that a true stereotype?
1: Um, where? In, in Russia
0: or, or in North America?
1: Uh, that north end of North
0: America, yes.
1: I mean, it's, it's so rugged that. Um, you know, if you were to be dropped from a helicopter or parachute into an area, you would have to have some very high level survival skills to uh, be able to cope, um, even, even just the ability to move around uh, through some of that underbrush. Um, and, uh, you know, those are fairly low productivity ecosystems. Um, so, you know, sooner than later, you're probably going to become very hungry.
0: Wow. And does, has any of all that environment influenced your uh, interest in the sciences and bettering the environment or using the environment? Is that what's inspired you at
1: all? Um, you mean the sort of appreciation of those spaces? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's um, I guess having grown up in British Columbia, where for many years we took for granted... Uh, what we had in our backyard and the abundance and the, the prolific nature of these ecosystems um, has declined over the years uh, quite substantially. And <clears throat> if, if action isn't taken imminently, uh, there won't be much left. I mean, it's uh, as resilient as these ecosystems are. Um, you know, we're definitely uh, hammering them hard in terms of our exploitation of them.
0: Mm. Because
1: that's uh, you do uh,
0: Martin's Critical Review, which is a, a podcast which you're, you're pretty much pushing political or people of a corporate nature, you're sort of pursuing them as, as it were. Is that, is that really a
1: right summation of what you do? Um, it's more uh, so there's a couple of core um, focuses within the podcast. Uh, one is the Site C project, which is a large hydroelectric uh, dam which is supposed to electrify the natural gas industry and and create uh, an export liquefied natural gas uh, business, uh, which has a massive price tag to uh, the taxpaying public and very, very little upside economically. Um, The plan has sort of taken a long time to come into existence. And when it was conceived uh, almost a decade ago now, the prices for natural gas were almost at an all time high. And presently our cost to deliver that product to an Asian terminal is around $8 and the market price for it is in the low $2. So there's <laughs> obviously, there's no, no economic uh, potential there. And because we're so late to the game, uh, Russia and uh, China have begin, begun to build pipelines. Uh, yeah. To secure compressed natural gas, which is obviously a far cheaper option than transporting it, uh, you know, in a giant refrigerated ship across the ocean. Um, and then our <clears throat> the other focus of the show is sort of our fisheries uh, conservation, um, which in some in some cases stems around the fish farming activities, uh, which you may or may not know the their run by sort of three main Norwegian companies that have destroyed every single um, aquatic ecosystem that they've put their farms into, including Norway and Scotland and Chile. Uh, so we're w- working working to bring some awareness uh, to that issue. Um, and then we have uh, another situation in Canada, which is that the 4.9% of the population are natives and they command, uh, Uh, much greater influence than what their demographic by numbers would dictate and so they are given special rights uh, which essentially is a racist apartheid policy uh, affording them opportunities which nobody else has uh, essentially based on the color of their skin which um, in many people's opinion in 2020 is an entirely unjust and unacceptable um means of doing business and their fisheries that they conduct are under the guise of food social and ceremonial um and they're there's they don't adhere to any quotas there's no observation of these fisheries and so we really don't know at all what is being harvested through those fisheries and the ultimate destination of most of that fish is the market it's not simply for their own consumption and so we're we're in a situation now where many of the stocks are you know, anywhere from 60 to 99% of what their historic levels were. And so we're in a, we're in a critical phase now, which all stakeholders need to be uh, rallying together and accepting, uh, you know, zero or minimal harvest, not looking to, you know, eke out their unfair share uh, in the twilight of, of what's happening. Other, otherwise it will be simply nothing left.
0: <clears throat> wow. Crikey. Well, I've, I remember the first time i saw you um you were out in the middle of nowhere and you were looking pretty Yeah, oh. you were looking pretty buff and healthy out there it's like do you train outside in the in, in like i get the impression i've never seen you working out that you probably work out with boulders and rocks as opposed to weights is, is that something you do
1: <laughs> uh it, it was many many years ago uh when i was wow. a young lad and a little a little a little crazy um, uh, and certainly I I live right on the edge of the wilderness here. And so, um, if not on a daily basis, certainly every other day I'm out, um, in, in the trails and in the woods, uh, you know, putting in six or 10 K, oh. uh, get a good March and a good sweat and, and, uh, good, good way to sort of de-stress and, and, uh, re- replenish your oxygen levels in your blood and, and have a bit of a reset. Cool. Do you use an ax at all? Uh, not when I'm hiking, no, but I, 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 <laughs> if, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm chopping some firewood, I certainly will. Yeah. It's, I, I
0: used to do that as a kid for my parents. I was slightly terrified of losing my fingers, but it did feel good, the actual action of smashing stuff up with an axe.
1: Yeah, it's it's all fun and games until you miss and hit your shin. Fact, very difficult to very difficult to lop off your uh, <coughs> your fingers, but I've definitely had the misfortune of seeing some uh, folks uh, swing and a miss and wind up in their shin, and that's uh, oh. that's uh, a that's <laughs> not you not the uh, result that you want to achieve when you're splitting firewood.
0: No, crikey, that, that's a bit worrisome. So on the subject of health, <laughs> it's a, it's a big. Um, physical health as in for one's own physical health is that a big uh, interest of yours
1: yeah and I think it should be an interest in 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 everybody's uh, minds Uh, and certainly this uh, recent um, Kung flu that's been uh, affecting the world (laughs) (coughs) is is a a prime example of that where we see people who have had zero respect for themselves in terms of their self-maintenance uh, crying the blues that now suddenly they've been afflicted by this flu and, and um, are having, you know, serious consequences to that. Um, and I, I find it amusing that, you know, in the US, the, the, the bleeding heart Democrats are singing the blues that the, the poor black community is being, um, you know, targeted by this virus, which in many cases is nonsense. And if you, uh, you know, decide to have three servings a day of fried chicken, and you're 400 pounds, you know, anything could knock you out, right? And so (laughs) this, this, this is a bowling (laughs) ball. Yeah, yeah. So you're, you're, you know, people need to be accountable um, for themselves and uh, our, our medical system, which I'm sure is, you know, more or less the same in the UK as it is here. Uh, You know, doctors are, are band-aid, providing a band-aid solution. They're not, actually yeah. into health promotion they're simply there to you know offer you something to mitigate your your conditions the, the side effects of your poor choices in life
0: yeah it seems to be that from what i've noticed in our, our health service now it's great i think the people who get involved in it they all go out with the best intentions but it seems to be its main purpose or objective is to stop pain it's not about prevention nor is it about cure it just seems to be a temporary stopgap of just providing a, a disconnection from pain. Um, I don't know whether it's a workable philosophy. I don't think it is.
1: No, I mean it's it's uh, again that that creates the false narrative that somebody else is in charge of your health, as opposed to you being the the one who's in charge of that. And and you know the the we were, we were talking there off air about the uh, the latest pandemic indoctrination uh, film that was just released today. And there's an interesting segment in there where they talk about uh, the senior Rockefeller having infiltrated the medical schools of uh, what, what I guess would have begun as America and probably spread from there, yeah. um, and basically uh, created the curriculum to fulfill his, uh, be- or to benefit his aims, which was the pharmaceutical industry and forbid you know, the discussion of, of diet, or natural remedies as something which is a, a promotion of health. Mm. Uh, so I think we're, 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 you know, generationally now been led astray in terms of um, our, our, you know, in quotes, healthcare system. Yeah, what,
0: could, what would you recommend to men of my age who, who love a bit of cake, love a bit of biscuit, aren't very ambulant, uh, as a good um, solution to fight the, uh, that threat and other threats? What would you recommend first of all?
1: Well, I mean, I, I guess it's, you know, uh, I, I'll admit that I enjoy an almond croissant um, probably, more than, <laughs> probably, probably more than the next guy. Um, and it, you know, really boils down to the fact uh, of balance. You know, it's, it's um, you know, now if you, I, I, I like to uh, pose the the, the the statement that, if, if you're relieving yourself, having a wee, and you can't see where it's coming from anymore, from the bulge of your belly, yeah, you've got a problem. Definitely. And, uh, you know, if that is where you're at, then you need to take immediate action, because that's kind of, to me, the first sign that you've gone too far on the biscuits and cake. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it doesn't require, you know, if your aspirations are simply the maintenance of health, as opposed to uh, you know, achieving some level of athletic performance, you know, taking the dog for a walk for 20, 30 minutes a day, you know, brisk walk, uh, certainly will improve your general well-being. or taking your kids for a bike ride or something like that. Um, uh, and then, you know, <clears throat> maybe on a, on a weekly or biweekly basis, uh, going for a little trek to extend that period of time where your heart rate is elevated. Um, that's certainly, you know, as a bare minimum, uh, that's important. And uh, from there, you know, doing some level of weight-bearing exercise, uh, certainly in the, let's say the, you know, even if you've neglected yourself, most people are fairly um, fit through their teens and 20s. Mm-hmm. And then maybe through career and family, by the time you're 35, you've just, dis- you know, discovered that you're no longer as fit as you'd like to be. Mm-hmm. And that's, not, that's really not too late. It's not time to throw in the towel. Um, you have an ability to turn things around and certainly what you do from the time that you're 30 to 50 um, will have a tremendous effect on what your later life will be. Um, you know, I've got a, a series of, of older friends that are in their 70s and some even in their 80s uh, that are fully functional in terms of their ability to you know, it, it, uh, engage in the life that they want to. So they're you know they're skiing, they're hiking. Wow. Um, they're, you know, they're 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 mobile. They're they're and, and that is largely because they they took those necessary actions when they were younger uh, to maintain some level of body mass um, in terms of uh, you know your actual musculature and your bone density, and that really will propel you forward through your your twilight years, shall we call them. Cool. So which is
0: first then, really, in this game? Is it mind or is it body? Which is senior, do you think?
1: Well, I mean, the, the body doesn't do anything unless the mind tells it to, right? Cool. So it's, 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 it's very easy to sit on the couch um, with a pint and a biscuit and, and, <laughs> and convince yourself that the couch is much comfier than going for a walk. And a and hundred reasons why you know, you're going to have a second pint, a second biscuit versus going for that, uh, that stroll. Right. And, yeah. and there's definitely <clears throat> for somebody who has fallen into that sedentary lifestyle, um, there's definitely some inertia, which needs to be overcome. Uh, but I pretty much guarantee that everybody that takes the opportunity to get out of, you know, get off the couch, go for a stroll. You know, if, if you can commit to doing that for, you know, even 10 days, you know, thirty days even better. At the end of that period, you're going to feel like an entirely different person than than uh, what you did at the beginning of that. Okay, right. Well, I'm just going to go out now. I'll see you shortly. <laughs> no, it's, a, it's a very,
0: very good and valid advice. Um, I, I'm trying to find excuses to actually walk. Like instead of taking parcels in the car, I'll actually walk to the post office. Uh, I have noticed slight wafts of bo in this hot climate that I'm doing it, but that must mean there's a sign of effort going on. So I have to get washed as soon as I get home again. Yeah, I mean that's that's
1: that's fine. I mean, and I think some of that is we in the Western world have become disassociated uh, with the fact that we're you know we have a we have an animal nature. Our our meat bodies uh, are still animalistic at their at their core, mm. and um, they need to be exercise they need to be walked i mean it's no difference than a a you know if, if you have a horse that sits in its paddock for days and weeks on end it'll become lame and yeah. so it's you know this, this is exactly the same thing with humans that that our, our meat body needs uh daily exercise of some degree and certainly you know it wasn't More than a few hundred years ago, that 99% of the population probably grounded out for 10 to 12 hours a day of of fairly physical labor uh, to eke out their existence.
0: Yeah, you're right. That's that's a lot of, that makes me tired just thinking about the idea of that. Um, Yes, okay. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know, it's, it's interesting. If we look back yeah. in, in the Roman times, um, every Roman landowner was, uh, uh, by decree, had to grow a certain quantity of their of their plot of land, had to be dedicated to uh, opium poppies. And that was a form of taxation. Of course, that was really the only analgesic which was available. And after the the opium was re- removed, and the, the poppy heads uh, remained, that was what the farmer could keep for himself, uh, and they made laudanum out of that. And you know, You'd know, you imagine after toiling in the field for 10 to 12 hours, having a uh, a shot of your laudanum uh, before bed was probably the only way that you fell asleep through the aches and pains that you'd uh, sustained through the day. Wow, I did not know that. Wow.
0: You know quite a lot about this sort of stuff though, don't you? Like, um, yeah. We're going to get into that. It's a fascinating thing. One thing I noticed in your phrases, you say uh, like having a meat body. Does that mean you, you are the assumption of that you're a
1: spiritual being? Well, I think we, we certainly are. and I mean, if, if we've uh, uh, listened to some of David Icke's recent uh pieces on london real there uh you know we're uh, an infinite we're we're at points of an infinite expression of of the greater being uh, mm-hmm. in the same way that uh you know multiple droplets of water form an ocean and so uh i think to if people are on the misunderstanding that that's not what we are then there's a a a point which is uh requires correction and i think you know, a lot of people that are city dwellers that, uh, you know, kind of exist in a, in a completely artificial human condition, uh, mm. where you can't see the night sky, for instance, um, or, you know, you, and most, most of the globe is flat, and so you don't really see much except for the buildings around you. Um, and so when you do have an opportunity to leave the city, you know, see a mountainscape skate, uh, or even the moors in Yorkshire, just, you know, the, that expansiveness of, of emptiness, Mm. and uh see the night sky and its wonder uh that kind of clarifies your position in uh, in the greater the greater sphere of the world and, and the universe
0: wow yeah you're right yes okay so on, on that uh what you're saying about um say spiritual nature do you um do you buy into the thing because i've spoken with a few people who are interested in the subject of where man came from etc and i always find it slightly odd that humans seem to be the only species that you could take out of the environment and nothing bad would happen. Whereas other natures or species you could take out and there would be a negative effect. Do you think that the humans are actually naturally belonging here or is this just some sort of something else?
1: Well, that's, that's an interesting question. Um, and I, I think we can, we can look at that in a couple of different ways. Um, you know, Do I believe that mankind evolved from apes uh, via Darwinian uh, route? No, I don't think that Darwinian evolution has much proof. Uh, The the fossil record is extremely sparse. Um, Did mankind arise out of Southern Africa? Probably not. Why are those the only places where we see fossils? One, it's likely have been a very arid uh, place for uh, millions of years. Uh, so the, the ability to fossilize anything which hits the ground there uh, it has a much higher probability. Um, South America has been largely uh, covered in jungle. And of course, anything that drops on the jungle floor is quickly turned into jungle floor in, in six months. Um, and of course, the northern hemisphere has been glaciated many times in in our recent past, let's say the last 150,000 years. So any evidence which would be present has been completely removed, uh, you know, ground. Even if we had cities uh, like we do today, two miles of ice would grind uh, iron girders and rebar, reinforced concrete into dust and wash it off to the sea. Um, So I think, you know, in terms of humanity, our present iteration is, uh, a, a group which has no real, no real knowledge of our past, um, and I think that 's largely an engineered um, occurrence which we could probably blame the Vatican for as the architects of of that um, mystery and <clears throat> If we look back over let 's say the last ten 000 to twelve thousand years, well we have some pretty good evidence that there was a civilization which was in uh, which was flourishing at the time of uh, the last glacial maximum, uh, 17,000 years ago. And that evidence comes to us in the way of a series of maps, and, um, uh, which, which, have been, which were created in about the 1500s, and those authors of those maps d- declare on those maps that they were essentially derived from source maps of an earlier nature, um, and in particular, there's the, the Erontius Phineas maps and the, um, nothing to do with me is though, the other? One. No, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> and, um, and the other one, Admiral, uh, he's, he's a Turkish fellow, it'll come to me. Um, and so these maps clearly show the coastlines of South America. And in particular, a very detailed account of, uh, of, of Antarctica and that's uh, the, 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 the Turkish admiral's Perry Reese. And so on these uh, Perry Reese maps we see a very detailed coastal outline of Antarctica, uh, complete with uh, sketches of where the mountains are and and the river courses, which of course today is covered under the southern pole, uh, polar ice cap. And it wasn't until I believe 1936 that our present civilization discovered Antarctica. Prior to that we just assumed there was nothing there. So that raises the question of, of how did these source maps come into existence um, with such detail that we didn't see until 70 80 years ago on our, our present uh iteration here so that leads someone to think there must have been a civilization which predated ours and through the cataclysmic end of the last ice age um which is quite commonly accepted now uh, was through a comet strike uh, and the, the impact uh, was probably just north of, of here by about 800 kilometers uh, and there's a very good evidence for that in which um, in and around that area near Prince George um, just to the east of that is getting close to the northern terminus of the Rocky Mountains and there's a very specific type of rock which only exists in this area and there's a, there's a massive uh, boulder, which has obviously been ejected, and it's south of Calgary, which is probably close to 2,000 kilometers southeast of the original ejection zone, and that that, that lies in Okotoks, uh, and it's this massive, like house-sized boulder that that sits there of that exact same geological uh, wow. type.
0: And of course, then we have a
1: lot of uh, evidence in terms of massive water flowing off these. Uh, you can know, imagine the impact of a of a comet coming through the atmosphere and and hitting the ice caps and the, the energy release from that uh, mm. and the antecedent meltwater and the ejecta into the into the air, which would have been you know like uh, a slurry of mud and dirt and and, and was, you know whatever was in whatever civilization existed would have gone through hundreds of years of, of very very trying times, um, and that same uh, comet struck again about 1,500 years later, and that's right around that Younger Dryas period. Uh, and so as the civilization was recovering, they were yet uh, hit down again. Um, and, and so from that, we have um, you know, evolved from the ashes of that. This present civilization has evolved from the ashes of that prior civilization. And when you look at uh, the early civilization of, let's say, Egypt, we have uh, examples of a, of a essentially fully formed high civilization with no direct link to anything before it, yeah. and then we see that as the as the years passed there was actually a decline in the in, in the technical abilities of that civilization, which is enti- is entirely uh, opposite to. The development of most civilizations, and the same can be said for what we see in South America, um, of of the ruins, particularly in Peru, uh, where we have these massive jigsaw puzzle type uh, boulders which are seemingly welded together and have withstood, you know, the millennia of, of earthquakes and so forth. And then on top of that, we see, you know, sort of the crappy Inca dry stone walls that are slapped together. Uh, and we're told to believe that you know the inca made all of that well it's that doesn't make sense or something something that predated <laughs> yeah. which had a much higher level of of technical capability than what the uh, antecedent civilizations had and you know and why is that well that's that's a strange question and of course the more recent excavations at uh, gobekli tepe in turkey um, really illustrate that you know 11,000 years ago there were people that were capable of erecting monolithic uh, architecture uh, well, well before you know what the the Egyptian the rise of the Egyptian civilization was, and then we begin to see symbology which is occurring in multiple places across the world, um, which is all backed up of course by the flood myths you know mm-hmm. and and you know why does every single uh, civilization on the planet from you know indigenous uh, groups all across the Americas and elsewhere? Uh, as well as you know, every single major religion has a, a fable or a myth about the flood. Well, it's is, is that a coincidence or was there a flood that that erased what was before it? I mean, I I, I choose to believe that the, that's what we saw. And then, of course, if we fast forward to where <clears throat> where we are at today, there was concerted effort by the Catholic Church. You know, number one, uh, in around three or four hundred A.D. Uh, the the Romans seized the evolving philosophy or religion of of Christianity and uh, bastardized it as a method of control. And, uh, you know, with the burning of the library at Alexandria, the the creation of the the dark ages, which was essentially a a war against any level of, of knowledge, which didn't fall in line with what the church wanted you to believe. And, uh, yeah. And so now we wind up where we're at today with uh, you a know, group of people that has, you know, and I think that's part of the reason why, you know, when you say that, yeah, you know, we've, we've kind of lost our place on the planet, you know, what is, what is our purpose? Um, you know, why are we doing the stupid things that we do on a continual basis? Uh, I think it's because, you know, just like a child who has no instruction will become feral and, and delinquent. Uh, whereas if, if we knew what our purpose was, and we had that history dating back, you know, several hundred thousand years of these various iterations and what came and fell. And, you know, certainly if you look at the Bhagavad Gita, I mean, they go back hundreds of thousands of years of, of tales of, you know, what came before us. Um, And, and so that's, uh, you know, that brings us to where we are today, which is really a species with amnesia uh, as to where, you know, where, where our part in this world is and, you know, what is our part? You know, I think we're, probably ultimately supposed to be the custodians of the garden of eden um, interacting in a synergistic way uh using our higher intellect for the the betterment of that purpose as opposed to the uh the domination and mm. uh control and exploitation of it
0: wow that's all deep and profound but how how does uh, <laughs> someone like myself or or my listeners how do we reengage that because it's we can have people like, like yourself highlighting and pointing this out and it, it's all brilliant stuff but what could people who are lesser learned or or lesser in the knowing or time constrained? what can they do to help turn things around
1: from your point of view well i mean i think it, it, it ultimately boils down to uh having that appreciation of the natural world and so you know, um, I'm not sure how big the the community I mean, certainly Birmingham being the the nearest town to you is a is a big bustling concrete jungle. Yeah. Um, four million. Yeah. Four million. So I mean that's 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 almost like a chicken coop, right? I mean the chickens yeah. in the chicken coop are aren't happy. Uh the chickens <laughs> in the in the farmer's yard that get to prance around and chase grasshoppers and worms uh with grass and dirt in their feet are an t- entirely different kind of chicken. Yeah. So the human needs to decide whether you want to be the caged chicken or the chicken in the farmyard. And I would encourage people, you know, even if you're scared of the, scared of the woods and, and, you know, scared of the creepy crawlies and scared of the bugs and, you know, whatever it is, you know, get out there and, and, Go somewhere near a stream or or a lake, somewhere quiet, you know, turn your phone off. You don't need music, you don't need a podcast, and sit there and allow that natural world to to enter your enter your being and and, you know appreciate the, the ripples on the water, appreciate the bird song, the sound of the leaves rustling, and just let everything, you know, kind of dial down to that very, very simplistic level and realize that you're you know you're a part of that that's what you're a part of you're not part of the, the cage and the jungle and the concrete and the streets and the cars that's all uh external and a, and a, and a creation of ours um <clears throat> whereas that communion with the natural world is really our true essence mm.
0: in, my, in my sort of from what i see in my my world as it were i don't know how i define my world uh because i seem to sort of straddle very different worlds and universes but socially like here in the uk we have a massive drinking problem and that is normally the way out it's sort of like like lockdown the alcohol consumption was ridiculous um (laughs) it was absurd it's like oh the pubs are closed let's drink all the more at home that seemed to be the natural escape for people here it's looking forward to getting absolutely drunk um do you think that's um is that I'm always fascinated. Is it their own choice to do that or has something created it as their only option of choice?
1: Well, I think we're, uh, I think we're probably educated, uh, you know, that edu- educated is in, is in quotations. Yes. Um, that, that becomes a, an, a learned experience. And certainly, you know, if, if you are a consumer of media in terms of movies or, or this type of thing, uh, you know, that's you, you. break up with your girlfriend. You have a bad day at work. You stop at the bar and have a couple whiskeys, right? And that's yeah. that's been, that's been taught to people uh, in terms of what a coping strategy should be. Yeah. Um, spent some time recently in Australia, uh, and they certainly have a a, a pandemic of alcoholism there. Uh, and in our modern society, we favor. The wakeful problem solving mindset over everything else um, and and that is essentially where we've been programmed from the time that we're in primary school uh you know to to be able to understand instructions and and, and carry them out to be good little factory workers yeah. and not and not really be in that uh, being state, which is our true essence. Uh, and having that connection to the natural world and when, we're, when we seek to escape that wakeful state of mind the only option up until very recently has been through alcohol and that's certainly been again an educated choice uh, which you know in, in some instances has been passed down harmfully generation to generation and so from from what I see amongst my peer group, certainly, you know, we're we enjoy our psychedelics, <clears throat> um, you know, the old sort of uh, Timothy Leary drop out, drop in uh, type mentality, which has been entirely persecuted by the powers to be because they realize intrinsically that people that are going to opt for a psychedelic experience, at the end of that experience, they have an entirely different outlook on. What the rest of the world on a day to day basis is, and are probably, you know, certainly <clears throat> if we look back at the, the Vietnam War era, uh, where Nixon was trying to send the young men off to the jungle to, to, to shoot the commies, um, as, a, as a typical American youth that had been brainwashed into, you know, believing that was the thing to do, uh, the last thing they wanted, uh, you know, the emerging hippies. To be dropping acid and smoking weed and having spiritual experiences and deciding that you know they were all infinite reflections of the same thing and weren't going to go into the jungle and shoot the commies, mm. um, and so that became you know vilified and marginalized as something which wasn't desirable. And I and I remember the old uh, you know Ronald Reagan just say no to drugs uh, propaganda and they would have these big cocktail parties where they were raising money and, you know, they'd have speakers about the horrors of drugs. Yet everyone was sitting there with, uh, uh you know, a scotch and water or a scotch of the rocks or whatever, you know, whatever drink they had, everyone's plastered. Yeah. So, you know, how, how is that any better? And, and in fact, it's not because really, um, the alcohol is, is a depressant for one. It, 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 uh, um, d- it, it dumbs down your brain, to not be able to process it makes people most people at some point violent or belligerent and then there's an you know, entirely new source of problems which which come from that and and if we look at the etymology of alcohol uh, uh, al is actually an arabic word which means demon yeah and so which is why the quran forbids its followers or practitioners from the consumption of alcohol because it's essentially allowing the devil into your body um, and you know, that may be, that may be a little, uh, hard, uh, uh a hard uh, top or a over the top sort of description of it. And certainly, I mean, I enjoy a glass of wine with my dinner, uh, or, you know, champagne on a, on a celebratory note. Um, but I'm not going to sit around and, and, and drink three bottles of wine you know, I'll have a couple glasses with dinner. And, and so there's a, there's a different level of engagement with the substance. Mm. And I think people need to be under no false pretenses that alcohol, you know, is, it's a chemical substance, which acts like a drug in your body. And the, you know, let's say if we look at something like uh, LSD, you're consuming 100 or 150 micrograms which essentially has no deleterious effect to your body in terms of processing that material. But if you're consuming five liters of beer or a liter of vodka, the, the work that your body has to do to eliminate that toxin and the ramifications it has on your body are very extreme. And we, we just brush that uh, under, the, under the table in terms of ignoring those effects. Because
0: mm, it raises good taxes though, doesn't it, to be fair?
1: I suppose, and, you know, it's, it's interesting to see that in the uh, under the lockdown, uh, liquor stores were considered essential services. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, in, in in South Africa, they banned the sale of cigarettes and alcohol, which I thought was a very strange move. Wow. Um, because, you know, you've got a bunch you're, you're keeping, trying to keep everybody uh, under lock and key. Um, yet all these addicts are now removed from their their uh, yeah. addiction i'm not you know i'm sure that didn't go well And of course it, it all it did was it created a bunch of uh, moonshine operations and cigarette smugglers running across the border from zimbabwe so mm. you know it's uh which is the same thing you know we, we dial back to the war on drugs you know the the people since time immemorial have been altering their consciousness and will continue to do so regardless what the law is and all, all the war on drugs has done is created, uh, you know, multi-billion dollar cartels profiteering off of uh, the sale of those substances.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Wow. So going forward, if, if you say like on the subject of alcohol, you keep yourself sort of clean and you're certainly a healthy uh, gentleman there. What, can, what sort of foodstuffs, given our current climates, possible food shortages in the near future, what can people be eating to keep themselves healthy or as you was talking about before about bone density muscle density what sort of foodstuffs can uh, can gentlemen of my age what should we be choosing to sort of gorge ourselves on
1: well you know n- nothing that comes in a box i guess if if you if, if you can't <laughs> if you can't ident- yeah if, if you can't identify you know what the food stuff is when you when you either purchase it at the store or when it's on your plate you probably shouldn't eat it Um, you know, or, or if the ingredients are beyond, you know, chicken, fish, um, you know, some sort of vegetable If it has a bunch of unpronounceable syllables in it, it probably isn't food. Okay. Um, And, and, you know, certainly the, the packaged food industry, um, I'm not sure how prevalent it is in the UK, but, you know, certainly, uh, America and to some degree Canada, you know, there's a lot of people that, uh, focus their, their consumptive patterns on all these wonderful prepared foods, which have. You know, you might as well eat the cardboard that uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, it, that it came in. It certainly has more fiber, right?
0: Yeah, but- it's uh, the, the, I see the meals. And the weird thing, the obsession over here has been calorie counting. Now, I can understand the basic logic. You know, if you eat less calories and you're more active, then you're going to lose weight or whatever. But the odd thing is, what they're doing here to beat the calorie count is just making these shit meals smaller. That They're adding sugar to make them interesting. But... A lot, right. of, a lot of the stuff here is just literally—it's just smaller. That—that's not necessarily saying, "Oh, it's better for you because it's got less calories." Then it's just smaller, so they end up buying two. Um, isn't that isn't that just like your cars and everything else there? No, the cars are getting ridiculously big over here now. It's absurd. You know, they've gone so all the whole whole conservation thing and yet everywhere i look people are buying three liter four liter vehicles that are two and a half tons and they're just carrying a 50 kilogram woman to the shop i just <laughs> do not
1: understand the whole point of it that's uh, that's marketing for you right yeah no, i mean the it, if if we pop back to the food uh you know in terms of what to eat um certainly meal size is important um what is because, a meal size? Because
0: you'll know that. I, I there's so much confusion. Like, what is an actual
1: what is a meal, really? Well, you know, a, a meal is kind of you know d- really dependent on how big you are, um, and <laughs> what your en- energetic requirements are. I mean, certainly somebody that's five foot two has far less caloric demand than somebody who's six four. Yeah. Uh, and, and out, uh, you know, on a construction site, busting his, his butt all day long, uh, mm-hmm. versus somebody who's sitting in an office, you know, uh, uh, behind a keyboard. Um, so the the there needs to be a balance between, you know, you know what your sort of macronutrients are between your carbohydrates and your proteins and fats. Um, but ultimately, you know, the most important thing is those sort of whole food sources, right? So, um, you know, whether, you, and you should have a, a generally well-balanced uh, diet. So, you know, sort of the cornerstone should be uh, vegetables. Uh, I don't eat a lot of fruit. I think fruit is really more of a treat um, mm-hmm. uh, for, for most people, um, un- unless you're, you know, ch- children obviously have much higher metabolisms. Um, and uh, whole grains as opposed to, uh, you know, refined, more refined products um, and, uh, and then good quality meats. Now, from my travels in Europe, the, the quality of beef uh, in particular is much higher because it, the, almost, almost all of it's all grass-fed, pasture-raised, uh, as opposed to what happens here, which is, you know, it's very difficult actually to find uh, grass-fed beef here. Most of it's feedlotted. Um, which is you know, akin to eating somebody who's uh, spent the last 10 years at McDonald's. Um, you know, it's, it's a pretty, pretty, pretty direct uh, comparison. I mean, you know, cows, cows don't have the ability to properly digest grains. And so they become just as sick as somebody who's sitting there stuffing his face with uh, chips uh, all day long. And so, you know, if you're if you're eating an unhealthy animal, <clears throat> you're going to have no ability to be healthy yourself. You're going to be unhealthy as well. Um, and then really your, your, your protein requirement or your ability to consume more animal proteins really is predicated by your amount of, of caloric expenditure and what your you know, typical day involves in terms of your, uh, you know, the expenditure of calories or the expenditure of energy, or the level of damage that you're uh, causing your your musculature, right? If if you're working out heavily or you're working hard uh, physically, uh, you have a much greater protein turnover rate, and so you need to fuel your body uh, to a greater degree. Somebody who is more sedentary doesn't need that same level of uh, protein requirement. Um, And then the the dairy is something that some people, I think about 30% of the people, uh, have the genetic ability to digest dairy and the rest of us do not once we're weaned and so then that becomes a, a problem for those people that uh, are you know enjoy eating the the milks or cheeses or whatever it is and that's just you know ultimately bad for your bad for your system
0: what about raw milk because i'm try I'm, i might give that a go i've heard that that's actually you can take in raw milk as opposed to all the other yeah i
1: I don't know. I mean, my uh, I I'm okay with dairy. I mean, my sort of ancestry is European, so mo- most northern Europeans, uh, I guess, had evolved with you know pasture raised cows or what have you, and so they they developed tolerance to to dairy. Um, I, I I don't I haven't drank milk probably for. Thirty years, forty years. I actually, as a child, never really enjoyed it. I thought it was disgusting, uh, mm-hmm. but I do, I do, and I do enjoy uh, cultured milk products. So you know, yogurt in particular, because it has gone through that primary bacterial alteration, um, the, the really problematic components of the milk have been uh, dealt with, and so now you're dealing with a product which is uh, uh, more healthy for you. is eas- more easy to assimilate and digest.
0: That's like yogurt and cheese, is it?
1: yeah and and cheese to a lesser degree because obviously yogurt still is is much more let's say fluid it's it's more of a liquid state and so if you imagine the the amount of milk uh, milk proteins and and fats that are in cheese compared to uh, yogurt um uh, cheese is something you know again if you're if you're uh let's say like spencer for instance doing a long trek he has the the caloric energetic requirement that you know his body will burn that cheese off somebody who's sitting behind a desk you know maybe that's maybe that's a once a week sunday morning yeah. uh on your toast on your toast kind of thing as I a had treat
0: that today, actually. yeah i had cheese on toast today but also it was laden with beans and bacon and an egg oh yeah right. <laughs> well,
1: there you go and, and and certainly I think there's been a there's been a war on on fats um, you know the, the, there's a a war on carbohydrates and you know it's all this type of, yeah. of uh, propaganda you know in terms of low fat, high fat, low sugar, no sugar um, you know certainly you don't want to be consuming processed you know like refined white sugar to to any degree Uh, you know if if you can sweeten your tea or coffee with you know either brown sugar or honey you're you're better off Uh, you know i think think the take-home message really is you know the the closer to the origins of that product you can go Hmm. the better off that product is for your system
0: Wow. Okay. So talking of products that are better off your system, you have a history. Well, I say history, not like you're a drug dealer, but were you invested at one time in the subject of cannabis or the manufacturing of it?
1: Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've spent most of my adult life in, in, in that industry.
0: You, you, to be honest, you're the first person I've spoken to that has given no indication of any involvement with cannabis. You give no clue about your body language there's there's nothing that says that guy's done a few drinks in his time.
1: Is that what you mean, or do you use cannabis for other stuff? Um, in, in terms of what? I mean, I don't I don't look like your average stoner with long hair and a and a and a torn <laughs> hoodie and. Well, I, I don't want to be stereotypical, but normally people who've done
0: a bit of cannabis they have a slight Alzheimer's thing in the way they speak or the way in which they focus on things.
1: Uh, I, you know what? I don't think. I don't think that has anything to do with cannabis. I think that that is a, uh, uh, an aspect of their selves that was always there. And the fact oh. that you come along and see them as a snapshot down the road, um, and, and that is who they are. I mean, a, a close colleague of mine um, who runs a, a facility in Eastern Canada, I mean, he's a br- brilliant, brilliant gentleman, highly successful, you know, has multiple businesses, And he, he smokes three joints on the way to work. So, you know, which which is, which is is something that I, I certainly can't do. Um, And, you know, you would, you would never know that, uh, you know, you would never guess that this gentleman would be uh, a cannabis user.
0: Wow. So maybe it's something in the UK, I don't know. Um, Or is it, is it the fact that you're doing what I, I presume the term is blunt where it's just pure is that one yeah, I mean,
1: yes. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the Europe, because I guess historically, uh, you, you typically used hash, uh, which was coming from the Middle East and so forth. Um, you know, that's pretty tough to, to burn on its own unless you're going to smoke it in a pipe. So many people uh, mix it with tobacco. And then I think um, that trend kind of continued uh, once more, cannabis flower became available. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, our, our French Canadians do that as well. Uh, I think it's a rancid uh, practice. I mean, it certainly re- removes any healthful benefits from from mm. the consumption.
0: Right.
1: Uh, there was actually an, an interesting um, uh, ex- well, it was an experiment. It was it was more of a metadata analysis. That a life insurance company in the United States conducted, and they looked at I think almost 500,000 records. And of course, you know they they have all the it was like a 30-year study that they were that they had looked at this data, and they divided the the groups into uh, entirely non-smokers, cannabis smokers, cannabis plus tobacco, and tobacco. And uh, you know, obviously, no surprise to anyone that about 50% of the tobacco smokers. Uh, were dead or, or had cancer or some major uh, cardiac conditions as a complication from their their uh, tobacco use. Yeah, The cannabis plus tobacco was at about a 25% rate. So there was some sort of uh, ameliorating benefit to consuming the cannabis with the tobacco. Uh, and then the real surprising uh, result was that between the cannabis users and the the, non, the entirely non-smokers, the cannabis smokers actually had better lung function uh, through the life of the study. Um, and the, the thought there is that um, cannabis is a bronchodilator, um, and as a quick aside, in high school I had a friend of mine whose father grew up uh, in uh, New England and as a child he had asthma and he was actually, we, we uh, as kids we would laugh because we had the the old tin from I guess would have been back in the 50s when he was a kid uh, that you know clearly set a label from you know from the apothecary cannabis indica and so he would he would uh, have a little like a burning dias that he would, he would tip some of this on and throw a cloth over his head and breathe the fumes. And that caused uh, uh, cannabis is a bronchial dilator and an expectorant, and so does that mean that opens the lungs up? Yeah, so you know the, okay. the, the 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 bronchioles dilate, and then there's also some ingredient in there which I guess kind of you know uh, causes you to expectorate. So any any foreign material in the lungs, you kind of cough, and so that's. It's why a lot of, you know, you take a big draw on a, on a, on a joint, you wind up coughing. Um, and I think so a lot of that is, you know, our, no matter where you live, even if you live in the countryside, uh, there's dusts pollens, uh, you know, contaminants from the air that you're, you're breathing into your lungs, and that needs to be removed. And so what this study uh, inconveniently found was that the cannabis users were actually healthy because their lung function was greater than the other groups. Mm -hmm. And that was attributed largely to the fact that uh, in in the same way as when you exercise, you have that kind of uh, contraction and muscle, that uh, exercise of the uh, dilation of the the bronchioles combined with the expector, the expectorant effect actually made these people healthier. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Which, yes, the the, the net result was actually that the, the life insurance companies in both Canada and the United States, uh, required that if you were a cannabis smoker you had to declare that and you went into a smoker category which obviously your insurance premiums are higher et cetera et cetera and if you if you lied about that and they found out posthumously that that was going on your claim was denied and so that reversed that uh, that ruling and so that if you you know you say I'm a cannabis smoker that's fine to make a note of it but it doesn't alter your, uh, your 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 rating in terms of your insurance policy Wow
0: now you were doing it many years ago so what was the world what what were you actually involved in in the subject of cannabis was it for other things like manufacturing clothes or something uh,
1: well the, the on the on the hemp side of things um we were focused on the hemp seed uh for oil and and and, um, and nutritional properties um and then that sort of trans trans uh trans transmuted into uh, med- like medical cannabis, uh, yeah. which obviously is, is is much different than uh, field-grown hemp.
0: Right. Medical cannabis is, I think in some quarters they label it as like a snake oil because it has beneficial effects for cancer sufferers, doesn't it? Uh, I don't know. If I wouldn't
1: call it a snake oil. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where... Yeah, um, I know it's been labeled as such, but yeah. It's... It, it's, it's uh, so there's an interesting, interesting parallel there. Uh, in Germany, they do a lot of ozone therapy, uh, for a variety of uh, drug conditions, or sorry, a variety of disease conditions. And they essentially you know, pull your blood out, it goes through an ozonization machine, and it gets plugged in on the other side. And um, that has the ability to, to, to cleanse a lot of pathogens. Uh, they, they, they use it for some cancer treatment as well. And uh, the proponents of that uh, therapy have been criticized because there's no double blind placebo tests uh, indicating its efficacy. But the doctors are essentially saying, well, listen, you know, we have so much anecdotal evidence that this works. Why would we endanger certain people's lives in, in, the, in the control group in our double-blind placebo test? That's yeah, yeah. not good medicine. I know that it works. I don't, have to, I don't have to prove to anybody that it works. Here's, you know, here's my patient records. I'm happy with the success. And so I think we're seeing something. Uh, similar in cannabis, and of course, you know, if we dial back the conversation, uh, you know, the, the, the Rockefeller Association or, or foundation that uh, was formative in, in creating our new modality of medicine wanted nothing to do with herbal remedies. Um, or, you know, and in many in many ways, uh, cannabis can actually be a, a wellness enhancement tool. So that um, if it's utilized on a daily basis over a lifetime, you're actually uh preventing certain disease conditions from ever taking hold in your body. Mm. Which, tough. you know, doesn't doesn't uh uh doesn't sell drugs, it doesn't sell surgeries, it doesn't fill hospitals, and it, it uh it is completely uh separate from our, our present healthcare system.
0: Yeah, you won't get a bank loan for that, will you? You won't get any state funding.
1: Uh, in, in Canada, some of the banks, because uh, we're, we're federally legal now. Uh, so uh-huh. some of the banks, some of the banks are or have provided some uh, debentures for some of the companies. Uh, the, the US is in a bit of a quagmire still because they, I think there's now 20, 23 or 26 states that have some state level legalization, but federally, it's still uh, illegal. Um, so, so that's uh, that's a bit of a problem. Of course, uh, uh, Trump enacted the, um, uh, the the hemp legislation, um, which has enabled um, farmers to grow hemp again um, in 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 America. And much of that is now high CBD hemp. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're, the the proliferation of CBD products in America is truly truly amazing you know, you, you pull into a gas station and there's like a little uh, point of sale display with a myriad of uh, CBD uh, preparations. Wow.
0: What uses is, is hemp? Because I just only see it from like the, the purpose of uh, shirts and things like that. Does it have other uses in regards to helping mankind going forward?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's the, there's a, so on, on, the, on the topic of textiles, uh, it, so I guess number one to, to, to predicate all of this, hemp is a very very difficult crop to to manage and harvest um, because of the, the tensile strength of the fiber is pretty close to uh Aramide kevlar wow. um so so it destroys machinery um and it is oh. quite complex it's a fairly complex process to pull the the fibrous materials from the the, the core uh so the, the, in in the past there was a series of decortication machines and all sorts of technologies which Arose to create uh, or be able to release the fiber, um, and so if we jump forward to where we are today, uh, many companies, including Patagonia, are are selling what they call cottonized hemp, and so there's some process that they're that they are treating the fibers with to make them much softer and finer, uh, and it's actually a, a beautiful material. It's it's very very. Uh, robust in terms of its of its of its strength. I mean, it's it's wears like it wears like iron, um, and it's not as uh, water demanding as cotton, for instance. And the yields are much greater uh, per hectare than than cotton is. Uh, so that's I think we're going to start to see a real re- revitalization uh, of the use of of uh, hemp as a textile. Um, and then beyond that, you know, we we get into you know uh, Henry Ford in in the I think it was like, you know, the, the, the teens had produced um, hemp cellulose body panels for his vehicles, uh, which would be very similar to like a fiberglass type layup. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the, the steel providers that were seeing, you know, a 30 or 40% reduction in the amount of steel, they were going to sell them, uh, said, if you, want, if you want steel for your frames and engines, then you better keep making the bodies out of, out of uh, steel as well. And, and the, you know, the rest is kind of history, right?
0: oh wow so, so in, in the up in smoke that wasn't really fiction when they had that van that caught fire that was actually made of cannabis or hemp that was up in smoke wasn't
1: it yeah i'm not entirely sure but i know that uh like vag volkswagen auto group um uses a lot of their uh like the press board paneling for the doors and and trunk lids and all that kind of thing yeah. a lot of that is now made from hemp fiber wow um because it's it's lighter it has better flame retardant uh, see than um, than wood than wood fiber, uh, and, and so it's it's a it's a good material to use. So I think we're going to see in let's say in the next decade um, a tremendous growth in, in the application of hemp fiber, um, and and Africa is starting to come online now. Um, there, there was a lot a lot of the jurisdictions were kind of held captive by the UN and, and the war on drugs and. All this malarkey and so now we're seeing uh, I'm in contact with a, um, a sugar cane cooperative in Swaziland that has about 100,000 hectares that they grow sugarcane on and of course the, the sugar prices are up and down you know some years they make money and most years they don't and they're sick of that cycle and so you know they've got gorgeous arable land that they're dying to do something with and so you know as operations like that come online Mm. Uh, we're going to see uh, a, a tremendous uh, opportunity unfold in terms of uh, utilizing the product.
0: That's fantastic. Well, that's an exciting element of the future. Um, mm. How does uh, from what you see in, in men, say of my age, um, what advice would you give them for mentally dealing with uh, the current world and the madness that goes on? What, what uh, clues or suggestions would you give to have a good sound mind in these times?
1: Uh, well, I think the, the first and foremost is is turn off the propaganda media um, <laughs> i 'm not sure you know certainly in, in America <clears throat> other than Fox News the rest of the rest of the news is 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 essentially one hundred percent propaganda it 's utter and complete dribble um, i'm not sure i 'm not sure what the BBC is like if it 's simply a propaganda dribble. arm of the government yes yeah, yeah, same yeah. same thing. So, you know, it's the same with the CBC. We have the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation here and they're, you know, they're, they're, it's paid for by the government. You'll never see anything in there that's critical of anything the government does. Um, you know, it's, it's essentially a propaganda machine uh, without question. Uh, so if that's the case for your listeners in your area, turn that garbage off and, uh, you know, uh, explore what's really going on. You know, the, the one thing that we certainly... Have um, you know in this day and age is a a tremendous source of independent media, uh, you know programs like yours and 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 others where people are are, don't have an agenda in terms of promoting uh, the status quo. Mm. Um, So you know the the these are very strange times. I mean certainly um, in in the middle of January I was in Australia working on a project and we started to hear some of the ruminations of what was going on in Wuhan and uh if somebody told me then this is what's going to happen with 2020 i would have laughed at them and said they're crazy mm-hmm. so you know and, and unfortunately i don't think the, the the ride is over yet um and so there's a lot of a lot of stress for sure a lot of uncertainty a lot of madness uh you know things that, do, that don't make sense the mask wearing the social distancing all this garbage uh you know I, I would you know the number one thing of mental health you know you see your friend on the street go up and give him a hug you know, um, the 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 more people that refuse to acquiesce to this nonsense will build power, and you know that that simple human interaction will brighten your day, and and as people you know lose the fear. And instead of hugging one person, you hug twelve people in that day. Well, you're gonna have a you're gonna have a great day, and all those those twelve <laughs> other people are going to have the same thing. And yeah. so it's it's a combination of educating yourself as to what's really going on, which you know in 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 some cases is is a little horrible because you know what's going on is is. Uh, you know, it's something out of a Bond film, except uh, I don't see James Bond running around anywhere yet. I'm still, still no. waiting for him to come onto the scene. Yeah. And so, um, and, and, you know, once you've educated yourself as to what's really going on, take the steps to, to put yourself on the right side of the situation. Um, and as David Icke said, and I think it was the the second interview he did with Brian Rose, you know, every every morning you get up and, you know, you're staring at yourself, brushing your teeth in the mirror, and you need to ask yourself, you know, what are you going to tell your children and grandchildren that you did in 2020 to prevent the, the collapse of our civilization as we know it? Mm-hmm. and if and if the answer i did uh, the answer is i didn't do anything well then you, you you know there's no sense brushing your teeth you may as well go into the backyard dig a dig a hole there and jump <laughs> in there and, and, and uh, have somebody shovel the dirt on top of you because you're you know you're you're doing you're you're a useless human at that point right yeah yeah absolutely no i totally agree yeah and so you know the 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 99% can't be controlled by the 1% and the 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 quicker that people um, accept that and, and rally around that, uh, the quicker this will be over uh, and the perpetrators will be no longer with us.
0: Fantastic.
1: You're, you're painting a good,
0: uh, well, I think David Ike referred to it as, as the answer because he's not, but I've been seeing and hearing for about 25, 30 years and it's sometimes it's wound me up because he's talking about the negative, the negative. And I'm like, well, what do we do? What do we do, David? And only in the last year or so, he started sort of pushing out, Well. Here are some simple solutions, and it's not a complex
1: thing to overcome, really. Well, there, there, I, I disagree somewhat with with David. I mean, I've got uh, and the tr- uh, truth shall set you free, sitting on the bookcase, uh, which I think was written in ninety six or ninety eight, um, where you know all of this is spelled out. You know, he's been he's been preaching the same message with some more detail. Uh, as, as things have moved moved forward but it 's it 's actually shocking to see like if you go back and, and review that material he 's right on the money and you know and, and back then it seemed like you know wow, this is crazy like that is really what 's going on this is this is a crazy place we live in i 'm um, not sure the answer is all we need is love and we can love our way, or lo- love ourselves out of this yeah. it is to a de- it is to a degree um, i don 't i 'm not sure if that was going to change the the course of where we 're headed, I think we would have already achieved that. Um, I think unfortunately that the younger generation has been duped into the socialist communist lie of uh, you know sort of the communal collective i don 't need to do anything because somebody else will, and i 'm still going to get paid and, and, and that the, the at its core. Uh, You know, capitalism, as we as we are experiencing it now, has become bastardized by the by the elite um, and our and I certainly our governments are are really corptocracies where the average person has much less to say. Um, However, the real distinction between a socialist and a capitalist is that the capitalist will work hard for his daily bread whereas the socialist is looking for somebody else to work hard so that he can have his daily bread. And at the end of the day, the, the capitalist is the one who's going to be producing that loaf of bread for that, that socialist to consume. And, and you know, every, every single uh, socialist or communist experiment which, is, which has taken place on, the, on this uh, planet has been a, an abject failure. Even if it began as a, as a peasant movement like some of the um, regimes in South America, where you know there, there wasn 't a level of affluence and and, and obviously a, a more of a collectivism type approach to to running those countries would have been better but once the once those powers get into in, into the authority position, you know they all turned into tin pot despots and and mm. became horrific horrific and i think there's there 's something about that when somebody allows themselves to be minimized and you lose your individuality which really you know socialism and communism preaches that's the that's the end of society because there's no more nobody seeks to better themselves nobody looks to work harder nobody looks to achieve and that's that's a flatlining for for humanity
0: wow okay so in a year's time we're coming through this or 2 years time whereas uh, what what social situations have you fixed with your broadcast? What sort of ties have you made or what problems have you eradicated?
1: Well, the, the, I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, uh, for, for my, my own broadcast is, is about raising awareness, uh, about dwindling resources. Mm-hmm. Um, and w- in order for any of that to change, there needs to be a wholesale um, wholesale mindset change in, in how we are approaching these decisions, um, you know, which must underline uh, decisions based on scientific evidence, which is current and uh, and and has been verified by uh, you know peer reviewed
0: uh, yeah.
1: process. Um, and, and once those management decisions are based upon that, we would probably see an immediate closure to all fisheries uh, for a period of time to allow them to recover. Um, there's an interesting project, uh, which is actually headed out of uh, Cambridge, called the Necton Mission, uh, which is a, an ocean uh, science investigation. And they're, one, of their, one of their missions right now is in the Indian Ocean which is uh, I think home to almost 3 billion people or the 3 billion people rely upon the Indian Ocean for some level of sustenance, either economic or, or physical food. Yeah. And um, if harvesting continues at the rate that it's presently going, there will be not only an economic collapse, but also a, a population collapse because they will, they will simply starve. And so what that mission is calling upon is certain refugia to be established in critical habitat areas, uh, where there's absolutely no human activity allowed other than perhaps you know, diving or snorkeling or something, of very minimalistic uh, intervention. And these, these regions become uh, essentially uh, spawning grounds where uh, the aquatic environment can exist unfettered. And as those numbers grow, there'll be sort of a release from those centers into, into other centers mm. uh, to repopulate the, the denuded populations um, and uh, the, the esteemed fishery scientist uh, Dr. Daniel Polly uh, c- has an interesting take on that, which says you know if if you are at the table with your friend, what is the most equitable way to split an apple to share well it 's to split it in half um, and so he feels that the only way out of the situation that we 're in presently is to remove. Uh, Fishing pressure on half of the world's oceans immediately. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that's a really tall order. Um, Five and 10% will have no effect. Uh, And so, you know, Nectin has arrived on this this 30% um, reserve number, uh, which I think is a workable first uh, pass. And certainly if we see an effect, a positive effect from that, maybe we move into a 50% in certain critical areas where that habitat is, is, is paramount. And as we see that those refugia are actually creating a greater opportunity uh, to harvest outside, then I think people will be uh, happier to allow those areas to expand over time. Wow, okay. So you basically, you've got a lot, of, a lot of stuff on your
0: plate though, Not a lot of battles to be fighting. Do you have a team, or is it just you?
1: Well, I, I do. I do have sort of a a growing body of of people who are also concerned, um, which really is you know uh, members of the sport angling community. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, until the government decides to take action, um, you know we only have so much influence uh, and, and can pound the pulpit only so long until decision makers and policy makers uh decide uh to adopt some some rational decision making
0: where do people go to to find you and lend support or or learn more about your your mission
1: um well the i've got an instagram page up at uh martin's underscore critical um and that's that's that yes m-a-r-t-i-n-z uh and then critical is the common spelling Mm mm-hmm uh, that would be, that's sort of, certainly a, a first point of, uh, of communication or, or, or learning. Uh, and then from there, if people want to actually engage with the podcast, uh, it's on Anchor, FM, Spotify, iTunes, and, and a simple search for Martin's Critical will we'll bring that up.
0: Cool. I will be including links on those on my page as well for everyone. Uh, All right. Thank there's you. Some, there's some fantastic missions. Um, some of the episodes you've had are quite fascinating and deep. I would advise sometimes maybe people will have a dictionary available just in case Uh, the sun one that you did with the uh, lady from Newcastle university on the subject of the sun. Yes. Quite a few terms and diagrams I had to draw there just to get wholly what she was talking about, but that's uh, a fascinating episode in itself.
1: Uh, Well, it is. And it, 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 uh, it's interesting to me on a couple levels. I mean, number one uh, she's a mathematician and astrophysicist uh, with, with a brain. Uh, I'm not that math orientated, so she impresses me simply on on that level, uh, and it's it's interesting in the in the interview. You know, she basically says, "Hey, I was bored sitting at home with COVID, with no t- no teacher, to, no classes to teach, and no assignments to mark, and so I just started digging through data and, and uh, you know refine my hypothesis, <laughs> uh, which essentially which essentially is that you know and and it's, it's so glaringly obvious that um, you know in the same way that we experience. A difference in season uh, which are which are remarkably different in the northern hemisphere of course the, the, the equal in the southern hemisphere and that's uh, caused by the tilting of the sun on its act or the, the earth on its axis directing the hemisphere away from or towards the sun yeah. and we see these radical swings in temperature so clearly if the sun's output or our proximity to the sun changes there's going to be a concomitant difference in the solar flux that we see on the on the planetary surface. Now, you know, in the same way that the world is being lied to about COVID by the powers to be, it's exactly the same thing which is happening with the IPCC and climate change. Uh, you know, the the, the glaring uh, omission of the IPCC is to fail to realize that you know at the at the turn of the century we had around a billion people on the planet. Now we have seven and a half. Each one of us releases 100 to 150 watts of energy continuously. Yeah. And you know, I draw the analogy that if you, know, if, if you and I are sitting in a, in a concrete garage in our, in our uh, undies, we're probably, gonna, it's, it's just the two of us, we're probably gonna be chilly. Well, you pack eight of us in there and we're gonna be sweating, sweating. Yeah, yeah. And so the, the, the combination of, of humanity, the humanity, the masses of humanity, our livestock, our machinery, and the the alteration of our natural world into concrete jungles that's where our surface level warming is coming from oh yeah yeah i right. agree co2 is plant food now the reason why there's more co2 coming into the air is cuz we've denuded the landscape of these forests and grasslands yeah. and 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 we're not paying attention now you know the, the 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 consumption or the combustion of fossil fuels the co2 is the least of our problems it's all of the other Uh, components that are released during that combustion, which is the real toxins. And of course, the the particulate matter um, is is, is highly dangerous. Um, And so for us to say that you know, it's very, it's actually very human to say that, oh, we're the, we're the cause of this Anthropocene uh, epoch, that we're changing the climate, blah, blah, blah. You know what, humans, we're not that, we're not that powerful. You know, uh, if, if we look through, number one, we look through a long-scale time, long, tar- long scale time history, the, the, the planet has been cooling for the last 3,000 years, uh, and certain, this little blip that we see uh, is probably uh, due to this surface level warming of all these people. Mm. And rather than and, and the, the carbon dioxide myth has provided the government with another opportunity to, to, to steal our money in the form of taxation. Yeah. And if what she's saying is correct, which mathematically it certainly seems to be, and we wind up, uh, by you know, somewhere between 2030 and 2050 at this new modern solar minimum with 70% less solar flux to the planet that is going to be such a consequential change to humanity, particularly the Northern Hemisphere, that every single one of those climate scientists who is preaching the global warming nonsense should fall upon their swords uh, to rid rid the rest of humanity of their nonsense, once (laughs) and for all, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, rather than, and so everyone becomes so pragmatically attached to to their version of reality, instead of looking at, you know, the other potentialities Uh, That's a very dangerous, um, very Mm. dangerous outlook, which is, you know, again, we look at COVID, uh, you know, I think the hydroxychloroquine seems to be a pretty, uh, you know, other than the fact that it it is a toxic substance, like most pharmaceutical drugs, uh, when used correctly, certainly, and it has been used for 40 years or something as a malaria, -malaria, anti-malaria medication successfully, Mm. What's the, what's the hazard in, in utilizing that? Well, the, the, the simple hazard is an economic one because it's off patent. It can be produced for pennies on the dollar compared yeah. to what f- uh, Fauci and the rest of his cabal hope to uh, earn from the vaccines. Yeah, no, I, it's uh, interesting. I, I saw something the other day about
0: African nations where regular uh, intake or ingestment of anti-malaria drugs, the COVID cases are virtually non-existent because they've historically Exist- been under the same
1: sort of drug... Thing. for sure well and the other thing too i mean it's it's uh you know not to be um uh um, offensive but you know most of africa lives in in some level of, of what we would consider to be filth mm. um in 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 the western world i mean it's it's a very primitive existence but because they're in and amongst the natural world uh they're constantly being uh, bombarded by soil bacterias and uh, you know, interaction with livestock. And so their immunity is much, much greater than what our immunity is here simply because their immune systems are being primed. And one of the, one of the biggest problems that we're going to face um, as humans here moving forward with all these lockdowns and the mask wearing and all this garbage is that our immune system is just like the rest of our body. It needs to be exercised. It needs to be worked in order for it to maintain some level of... of um, Ability, And as we remove those stimuli to our immune system, our immune system will decline. And so that anything that we get, whether it's a flu or a cold, which of course are both coronaviruses, Mm. um, the result will be much greater than had we not uh, taken taken these measures. And I think that's why we see in in Africa, sure, if they're on uh, anti-malaria products, those are probably reducing the the viral load and um but i think it's it's the fact that those people's immune systems are just in far superior condition to ours mm. wow
0: it, th- there's a lot of stuff we could go into isn't there <laughs> <laughs> this is a, it's all it's all brilliant stuff and, and i try to get from it what bits of data we can give to our our listener so they can take it in in well because it's a weird thing for me, I've disappeared down the rabbit hole, but I've recently come out of it and I'm staying out of it, is the fact that you can go down there and I come out of it and I go, well, what good has it done me? It's just got me angry and frustrated at the world. It's, you have to keep a fine balance and just maybe just take a bit and just do your own little bit towards fighting it instead of getting sucked into it. And I think what you're doing there is, is an excellent thing in your broadcast because you're sort of enlightening people as to other possibilities of science and other options, which is brilliant. And, uh, yeah and that,
1: and that kind of follows up the question you know what can people do it's it 's educate yourself you know yeah. fill fill your mind with truth um, and 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 do your own fact checking you know the the if you see something that doesn 't seem right you know don't use Google use one of the other search engines because Google will just give you the the censored version of reality yeah. um, you know if you 've got questions answer them you know don 't rely on outside sources to to inform you of as to what you should believe or or what is the facts or what are the facts
0: profound stuff Michael profound stuff <laughs> I think there's more to you than just a scientist and an entrepreneur isn't that as it were yeah
1: I, I try to stay quiet and hide
0: <laughs> brilliant well thank you very much for joining me tonight it was a sort of a, an impromptu thing I, I wanted to talk to someone and you're a man who's like, yeah, this would be good. So it was, uh, thank you for joining me at such a late moment. It was great to uh, come across you. And yeah, I'm going to listen to more of your podcasts and uh, get more data. Even though a lot of your stuff is local to you or events, it seems to be the subject matter you're covering is actually replicated many times around the world in many a situation.
1: Yeah, and certainly the episode, which we'll be uh, recording tomorrow, uh, has a bit more of a global focus, which actually is going to be a lead off um comparing and contrasting global conservation initiatives in the fisheries uh side of things uh so we'll we'll, we'll be covering some of the atlantic salmon in your area in upcoming episodes um and and sort of looking at uh because again if you're always staring at your backyard then you forget about what else is going on and so i think it's important (laughs) to have a have a, a bit more of a worldly view in terms of what's happening Yeah,
0: and another pearl of wisdom there. They keep dropping like little bombs. It's brilliant. (laughs) (coughs) There we go. Brilliant. Well, thank you for joining me tonight, sir. And um, yeah, well, thank you for joining us. As I say, it's been brilliant meeting and talking with you. And uh, well, all I can say now is podcast away.